Hello, and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Today, I'm joined by Dermot Friel, Managing Director of Friel's Bar and Restaurant, also one of the leads on the Loch and Chillin Tourism Cluster. Dermot, you're welcome to the podcast. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did, Sarah. Morning. Morning. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Before we begin, I'm going to give a little bit of background on Dermot, on Friel's Bar and Restaurant and Loch and Chillin Tourism Cluster. So Dermot is the current owner of Friel's Bar and Restaurant, a fifth generation family run award winning Irish bar and restaurant nestled in the heart of the South Derry countryside in the picturesque village of Swatcher. It's on the A29, isn't that right? Yes, that's correct. So the longest road in Ireland, you tell me? Well, the north anyway. In the north, uh, right, okay. From, from Newry to Coley, yeah. So if you picture that road, if you're ever passing through, you'll just see it. If you're coming uh, from uh, the south, it'll be on the right-hand side, and if, you, if you're heading the other direction, on the left. So the business was actually established in 1835 as a doctor's surgery and used then as a soup kitchen during the famine, so great history. Freels is also a firm favourite for quality food and entertainment in the Mid-Ulster area, and and they've recently added on a motorhome park to extend visitor stay in the area. Dermot is hugely passionate about the hospitality and tourism sector and places his staff at the centre of sustainability and growth of the business while investing in their well-being and personal development, giving them lifelong valuable skills for their future careers. As we said, Freels takes a lead role in the local Mid-Ulster tourism cluster and also represents rural pubs on the board of Hospitality Ulster. So plans for this year, 2023, include a new build visitor experience called Freels Famine and Folklore Centre, which will help educate local and international visitors on how the famine affected the Mid-Ulster area. We'll find out more about that and to tell folklore stories which have been passed down through the generations. So Dermot, a huge big introduction there. You're, you've been involved in so much, but I'd love to just go right back to the start. Are you born and bred in Swatra? Yes, born and bred in the village and uh, just uh, lived just on site at the pub there. So was it in the family already? Is this a family business then? Yes, yes. Um, it's been in the family name uh my great-grandfather, John Edward, bought the property on uh, 1903, September 1903, and uh, basically it's been in the family name ever since. And at what time did you get involved, or was it always just part of your life? Well, well, you're living above a pub in the bedroom upstairs, you know, you were never far away from it, and uh, the kitchen was just a metre away from behind the bar, so basically you were reared in the pub. And what, what are your memories then? Memories are young, growing up, uh, lifting bottles and glasses, working, doing chores, getting sticks for the fire. You know, everything was connected to the pub when the pub opened in the morning. And it could have been an early house at that time and a few few, few early gents in for even before we went out to school in the morning. There might have been one or two in <laughs> before that. And uh, obviously growing up over the years and uh, the, the pub developing over the years, you know, 
going from open six days a week used to be closed to Sunday, but and then open seven days a week and basically just going up and working behind the bar and uh, learning to serve customers and meeting people and learning the ropes doing your bit it was kind of in the dna um and at what time did it, you know become apparent that you were going to take this on or did you just know that that was going to happen well being an only boy it sort of um i sort of knew the pub maybe it was destined uh, uh uh to be not getting too far away from it uh, but growing up you know my aunt had a hotel there in, in garva imperial hotel so it's summertime so i would have went down there and worked there and seen another side of the hospitality sector and I uh, went on to work when I was 17 in the hotel in Tomb Bridge in O'Neill Arms. I uh, worked there for the McConville's, uh, for Kathleen and Chris. And uh, Gus, who now runs the Tully Glass in Ballymena, uh, Gus was a, a wee tanker behind the bar at that time. You know, he was only maybe seven or eight. And, and uh, he's went on to great things in the Tully Glass there in Ballymena and runs a fabulous place. So it was a great school for me uh, with the McConville's. So uh, my stepfather then took on well uh, when I was 18, so mum asked me to come back home and, and on the family business. And what was that like? Well, it was it was a bit daunting now. I was uh, I, I had other plans to head off and, and maybe for the, the States for the summer and things like that with friends. But look, you know, um, I'd be very passionate about it. Uh, home's home and, and uh, uh, we knew it needed upgrading. And uh, at that time, it was just a typical rural working man's bar in, in the village. And... I suppose we, we set about plans then right away and we'd done a large renovation there in 1995. So we got the whole building um, and basically tried to keep any of the old, the old ceiling, the original bar counter, which dates back to, it was first a pub in 1888. So uh, we, we kept all that original artifacts there and uh, we, we, we built a, a new lounge bar area and uh, we'd, we started to do food. It's such an amazing transformation, but it's such a distinctive building, and it's it's so lovely to see how you've kind of you've kept that charm, but you've really turned it around from the working man's bar to such a lovely family experience. I've visited myself, um, and great food, great atmosphere, um, and just it's so welcoming. Is is customer service very important to you? A massive. Uh Basically, uh, we big emphasis on our staff and our happy staff and the team's happy and looking after our customers. It's a very family-friendly environment. You know, lots of families come to visit the, the property there for food and drinks, a lot of family celebrations um, from christenings right through to communions, birthdays, family celebrations, wedding anniversaries, albeit funeral lunches as well. So mm-hmm. from start to finish, it sort of goes through the course of people's life and people are very familiar with um they maybe have their christening in the bar and I'm getting old now but then I recall people having their 21st birthday then in the bar yeah. and they were christened there so it's the place to go in the area so yeah. you look after the locals really really well and the families and and they come back and 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 the next generation takes that on as you say but you've been expanding the business to make sure that you're you're capturing this real boost in tourism that we're seeing at the minute so tell us about all of the exciting plans you've got at the minute or what you've done lately well I suppose you know um Pre-COVID, we were a bar and restaurant and we had a smaller outdoor area, but uh, since COVID, uh, basically there has been a, a large want for people to be outside and maybe much more so in their own mm. space and their own environment. So we were fortunate enough to have a large area out the back and we expanded our beer garden and uh, actually doubled the square side of the licensed area of the property. 
and uh, we have put on a large uh, stretch tent out the back as well, and we run family functions and celebrations there as well. And and basically, people you know want a local place to go to uh, to celebrate these these family occasions. And we used to do all this in one room in the restaurant. So the restaurant was was a was a restaurant. It was also for anniversaries and functions and parties as well. So now the restaurant's more just for restaurant business and these family celebrations can be had in another area. So it's it gives us uh, more opportunities there. Isn't it amazing how COVID has done that? Yes, um, uh-huh. For so many businesses this transformed or made them rethink and then the new way was very attractive to people. Yes, and that's that right. being outdoors, even in the wintertime, yes. is appealing to people. Yes, it is, and you know, you've got with those properly heated areas there, and it's covered. It is very appealing to people, and people like their own space. And yep. people have developed their own homes through lockdown, own garden areas, and more used to sitting outside in the environment. More, I suppose, more continental. I suppose. Yeah, I know, I know. And well, at the time of recording, we're in the middle of a heat wave here in June. <laughs> um, I don't know when people are listening to this. I hope that it could be snowing where you are now, but you know, we we we've had slightly warmer temperatures than we've had in the past. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but. You know, tourism is massively important and you've you've moved into trying to capture the visitors as well. So the motorhome park, tell us about that. Yes, we just added on the motorhome park there. It was just pre-COVID. We, we had made plans. We had, we had an extra car park and we decided to develop it and uh, contacted a, a great fellow, Jim McCormick, in Total Motorhome Ireland. And uh, he, he just walked me through all the pieces of setting up a motorhome facility. And I have to say the motorhome customers really compliment our local customers there as well. There, a lot of them are over 50 couples, retired, semi-retired, have, like, have young dogs not there as well. And basically we went dog friendly in our garden areas as well. And I, I just, it's a great addition for us. And so it's working really well and lots, lots of people are coming? Lots of people are coming from all over the north of Ireland and the south and mixing, mixing with the local customers. And uh, it's a nice atmosphere and... Uh, yeah. It's all very uh, exciting. And, you know, what about those people that are maybe visiting the island of Ireland or Northern Ireland for the first time? You're very into telling them the stories of the area. Yes, definitely. Um, Freels actually takes the lead in the local Loch and Shillan tourism cluster. And through work with the local council, uh, with, with Mary McGee, we helped to develop our product there at Freels, uh, uh, layering up all our tourism offerings. The council was a great support, and uh, also we done that through Invest NI as well. Invest NI and provided, and provided us with vouchers so we could research the property. Um, one of the vouchers researched Freels as a, as a possible cultural and heritage product within uh, within the Mid Ulster area, um, and also then the next voucher it was for uh, researching the Irish soup kitchens in Ireland and the famine in the Mid Ulster area. So I suppose you know. Whenever this research was done, that was done through the University of Myth, a guy called Dr. Kieran Riley. Whenever you get the research and get the stories, then basically it's very authentic. It's authenticated as well. And it, me- it means it, it builds up the layers for your tourism offering. So we now offer a famine and folklore uh, offering there for tour groups there to come and, and visit and ex- not just experience or hospitality with food and drink, but also to find out about the history of Freels, the history of the building before Freels had it and basically the story of the soup kitchens in Ireland. So the fact that, you know, it was used as a soup kitchen during the, the famine, what stories have you found from that time? Uh, well, 
we actually found the local famine stories have come out there. There was a family there from McGilligan, which is about 12 miles from Swatra, of the name of Allison. And basically they, um, the landlord come to visit them and uh, basically the man of the house wasn't there and uh, the woman of the house provided uh, some food for the landlord and used her uh, family heirloom, heirloom cutlery. And the landlord seen the silver cutlery and he, he doubled the rent. The father came home with the house and basically he, he wasn't having this at all and they couldn't afford it and so they emigrated and uh, got the boot from Derry City and they emigrated to Saxville in New Brunswick in Canada and that family name actually done very well for themselves the Allison family they, uh, so much so that uh, the university there is called the Mount Allison University oh my goodness that's incredible and if you go into the library in that university in a cabinet there you'll see the sterling silver in the library so that resonates a lot with a lot of our Canadian visitors who have I've had Canadian visitors last summer who's had nephews and nieces at, attended this university and authenticated the story as well so and it must have been, you know, it's just so hard to grasp what it must have been like during the famine, the incredible loss of life and, and just how destitute um, people were. Are those stories coming through? Well, it, what, what we discovered with Freels there, um, basically, uh, the soup kitchen was set up. Soup kitchens were set up all around Ireland. And as it was originally a doctor's dispensary and surgery, like in 1836, it treated 1,500 people. 1837, about 1,400 people, and we get the research, the full list of diseases and ailments that these people had. So it was a natural place in the local area where people coming, were coming um, to get illnesses looked at and taken care of. So it was a natural place for a soup kitchen to be set up, and Dr. Mooney set this up. And uh, basically, uh, on our research, we found about 300 people a day would have brought their own vessels to Freels and, and received soup right through the famine window. And probably saved their lives if yeah. kept them going. Probably the only nutrition they would have received that day. Goodness. Um, just as regards, you know, the figures, um, uh, the famine in that Ulster area there, lost Ulster lost about 25% of its population through starvation or emigration. And uh, on the census we found out like pre-famine, uh, the village of Swatter had about 435 uh, villagers. And uh, the 1951 census about 320 Goodness. so basically they lost about 25 percent of the, the population there through death or immigration through death or immigration and uh on the immigration side of things uh kathy uh who works who works for me kathy has her walk up there up the immigrants walk and it's up the local Cairn mountain and she tells the story of how the immigrants walked up this mountain took a home took a stone from their own home place and placed it on a cairn and looked out. You can see seven counties from the top of uh, the Ancarn and Loch Ney, and they placed a stone on the cairn, and they went on and got the boot Derry City. Gosh. So Kathy's story is uh, very poignant, and she actually uh, uh, works works alongside me, and uh, we tell the story of Immigrants Walk, and come back and tell the story of the Irish Soup Kitchen uh, for visitors. It must be an incredible experience, and, and very emotional at times to realise that you're standing in a place that went through such hard times and has since over the years, I'm sure, you know, the heart of Middlestar has, has suffered, um, you know, highs and lows all the way through the troubles as well. Yes, that's right. I, it's very, very poignant. Um, look, we've got great support from Middlestar Council. They're supporters with a famine mural up the side of the building. and It, it helps tell the story, of course, of the workhouse in Marafelt, which is Middlestar Hospital. 
and telling a story of and Garda Moore, which is a great hunger. And I suppose it, it's helped us peel back the layers to tell the story. And during lockdown, there was a wee window there and it was always all bricked up. And, and uh, during lockdown, we broke it away and we actually, the window was, was discovered behind it, unbroken. Oh. Uh, the wood obviously rotten, so it was replaced. So then our famine soup pot, which we found in an old shed about 25 years ago behind the, pro- the bar when we tumbled an old shed. So we, we've put our famine pot back in, in its original position. And I suppose yeah. it's the only famine pot in Ireland, in situ, in its original position, so which is quite unique. Oh, it absolutely is. And, you know, this is the first time that I've heard about this. I'm sure this is maybe the first time that the listeners have heard about this. So is that starting to attract people to want to see this? Ah, uh, certainly is. Now we've about 42 groups there for 2023. Um, a lot of them North American visitors, and we work through several tour operators, uh, American-based tour operators and also local tour operators as well, including J&K coaches and Brack tours as well. So I'm sure you can't believe just the popularity. And isn't it amazing how if you use that entrepreneurial spirit that you very obviously have and you have an idea and you try something different, when it works, it can transform the business? It certainly can. And uh, look, you know, I can't emphasize enough the, the support we've had from Invest NI with the vouchers at the start. The guidance we got from the local uh, tourism officers and the Ulster Council has been fantastic. And to date, you know, we've been in touch with them there on a weekly basis, um, looking to support us in any way they can. So you had plans there, we said in the introduction, to build um, a visitor experience. Yes. Where are you with those plans now? Well, just unfortunately, um, Stormont uh, is, <laughs> is not operating at present. And without saying too much on it, you know, um, the budgets have been cut and uh, things are restricted, you know. Look, uh, the famine and folklore experience is free is, is what we want to do and uh, the rooms above the property are ideal. Uh, we want to make one of the rooms into an old Victorian surgery to recreate Dr. Mooney's surgery and, and tell the story of that time. Unfortunately, as I say, uh, with the financial difficulties, uh, there's health and education and other things are priority um, as regards uh, uh, the government running, running, running the country. So it might have to take a back seat for a while, I'm not sure, but sure we'll see. It's been a very turbulent couple of years, hasn't it? I mean, there's the only constant has been change um, from one crisis to the next. But, you know, I was just listening to the news today and at uh, on this particular day, people are going out to the pubs and the restaurants again. I think people want to connect again. And yes, there's a cost of living crisis. Yes, there's an energy crisis. Um, but, you know, there's also a need to have something else, something to, to celebrate life with. And and that's really what you provide. You provide that oasis, that step away from the reality of, of daily, the daily grind. Um, what do you feel is the secret to running a great bar and restaurant? I, I think our staff are, are key, uh, front of house and behind the scenes, from our kitchen staff, our dishwashers in the kitchen, right up to our floor staff, the lads that stock the bar, lift the bottle and glasses, to the people that clean the property in the mornings. You know, it, it's very key key that they're all part of the team there, right up to people that are serving the food. Um, it's a just it's a combination of hard work and uh, customer service. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business law practice located in the heart of Newry City. We provide legal advice and representation to individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries on an assortment of legal matters which can affect a business such as corporate, commercial, employment, 
dispute resolution, regulatory and compliance. We focus on providing legally sound, commercial and practical advice to our clients. To get in touch, contact 028-30-262200 or visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk to find out more about the firm and our services. Now, recruitment has been a big issue, though, in the yeah. hospitality sector. How have you managed with that? Well, look, to be honest, like all hospitality sectors we have struggled a lot and we would have a lot of part-time staff there and we employ up to about 35 people and uh, a lot of our part-timers come in and they probably work for us for about three or four years take take themselves through university and that I'm always hoping that I'll finish up getting a bar manager or or a head chef from some of them but actually it, it probably never turns out that way in a local place like that they go on to be dentists and doctors or or whatever you know um but Recruitment wise, you know, we, we do a lot of recruitment within the within the business, you know, we bring on young people and put them through NVQ courses, you know. The girl there come in there and and she come from a marketing background, you know, with with a business and, and she's helped with her social media as well and um And know, how much do you think that's helped? Because it's really crucial to a business succeeding these days. Oh, she's been fantastic and uh her along you know, with my wife Katrina there, they they would do a lot of the marketing uh, the social media side of things, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, it's it is you know it's it's a great avenue uh, to sell sell your business. And what's lovely, what I'm hearing from you that, you know, you're investing in the staff, you're investing even in the part timers, even if you know that they might go not yes. be the bar manager because people might have had an attitude. Well, what's the point if I'm going to lose them? But that's not what I'm hearing from you. No, you have to invest in the staff. And, and look, you know, there's many a day you're a shoulder to cry on as well. But look, you know, uh, it's important that they're happy in their work, workplace environment. And yes, we, we have struggles with that as well. But um, I think it's important, you know, to try and keep st- staff morale up. You know, we're currently open uh, five days a week. Um, I would love to be open seven days a week. But, but currently, as regards the kitchen staff side of things, is, is a struggle at times to get the proper kitchen team there in place to be to be capable to be open seven days a week. So we do five and we do five days well. So hopefully coming into the summer we'll, we'll return to a seven-day-a-week operation. And do you tend to um, employ people in the local vicinity or are they coming from further afield? Are you having to recruit further afield? Um, mostly local, you know, you know, we are looking further afield as well, but mostly local within maybe 30 to 40 minutes drive from Freels as, as most of our staff base. But Why would you say it's a good place to work? Well... I would say we're very good employers. Um, I would say myself and Katrina. Katrina, my wife, runs a restaurant side of things, and she's been there 20 years. And uh, we're very family-based. We care about our staff. And uh, basically, we try to do things in downtime, do things with our staff outside of work as well, and encourage them to, you know, to encourage them to grow their careers within Freels. So... It is a family business. I'm just wondering, where do you think the next generation will be in, in taking this on? Well, our oldest boy, James, is doing uh, uh, hosp- international hospitality management in college in Fermanagh. So uh, he's 19, so he, he seems to be thinking about taking it on. He's uh, on the right path. He's on the right path. Second lad, Charlie, works in the bar and serves in the restaurant as well. 
a couple of girls there who are first and second year at school. They're now in helping with desserts as well. So and how many kids do you have? With seven. <laughs> what? <laughs> so now how do you make that work? Well, I don't know now. It's a, a lot of that's down to Katrina. Now I have to say now, yeah, she works very hard, both family and at Freels now. You now. don't live above the bar still, do you? No, we do not. No, <laughs> we just live, live in the house beside it. Which and a is few motorhomes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, for goodness sake. So, but if if the next generation takes it on then and you've got seven siblings, how do you do that fairly? Well, Succession well, planning. Oh, well, we'll have to, I'll have to go across that bridge when we come to Yeah, you're now, way you too know. young to be thinking about that. Totally. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's great that it's obviously in the blood and, and it is going to continue because a lot of places they find they get to this stage and, and there isn't anybody looking to take the business on further. What do you see the future being for Freels? What's next? Are you are you still obviously you want to get the centre for the famine and folklore set up? But if you could view this place in ten years' time, what would it look like? I'm not sure. You know, we, 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 the motorhome park at the back is there's a it's in a five acre field. Um, there's a lovely ring fort at one end of it. You know, I, w- I would actually love to have a short walk down to there for families and develop that side of things, you know. But but currently, you know, we're very happy to, to look after what we have and run it as a bar and restaurant. The family and folklore experience is great. It's, it brings some added revenue. But, you know, sometimes you can't get away from what your core business is, and that is it's a bar and restaurant and uh, look serving local families in the Mid-Ulster area. You've won quite a few awards over the years. Do you want to tell us about those? Ah, yeah, we're fortunate enough over the years, you know, and we attended a few award ceremonies, and we realised that actually um, we do a lot of the, a lot of these things very well. That, that all our award winners were were winning. So uh, basically, uh, we won neighbourhood pub of the year in two thousand and nine. You know, we do a lot of charity work at that time. We run a lot of charity functions and local fundraising as well. Two thousand and fifteen was rural pub of the year which was a nice accolade to one, and we've won uh, Tourism Pub of the Year for Northern Ireland three times. That's amazing. So we developed wee maps and that there behind the bar for motorhomers as well so that they can come and explore the local area. We collaborate a lot with, uh, with involved with the Loch and Shillin Cluster. We collaborate a lot with the other tourism biz- businesses there, with Jamesy and the Glen Sheehan there. He's a sheepdog experience, Rona at the Bakehouse, and I start naming them out now and I forget some <laughs> oh, of them. Oh, no. Yes, so, but we collaborate well, you know. Walsh is a tell not as well and basically is to bring people to the area, look after them and uh, basically have longer dwell time in Mid-Ulster area. I know Mid-Ulster is probably that hidden gem that's, uh, you know, we know the big obvious places that people uh, flock to, maybe the Belfast, the Derry, the yeah. Causeway Coast. But we've got so much and especially, you know, in the summertime as well. It's so it's so beautiful and the countryside is spectacular. Ah, yes, it really is and lots of open spaces and there's a lot of history and heritage within, within the area that that goes on scene dolmens and, and different walks and that type of thing as well. And if it's a rainy day, Seamus Heaney home place is a great visit for families. And how far away is that? That's then? about 12 miles from oh, me. Goodness, mm-hmm. fabulous. That's still on my list of things to do, absolutely. So the food offering as well, you're very passionate about your produce. What can people expect if they pop in for a bite to eat? Well, it's very traditional. We, we, we concentrate a lot on provinces, that provenance of food. And the local seasonal seasonal food, and basically, it's it's very traditional, uh, family orientated as regards the wee ice cream selection, Morelli's ice cream selection for the kids, which is very very popular if they eat their, eat their dinner, and that uh, look you know good quality steaks, and we do good all our produce is all local using local quality um, veg and fruit and veg providers, 
and uh, it pulls it all adds up to, to, to a really nice experience and a nice meal. What would you say are the biggest challenges or have been the biggest challenges for you in running your business, Dermot? Well, I suppose COVID was a huge challenge for us. Uh, not that I didn't enjoy the time off, it was great, but a challenging t- time was COVID come back in and that there and basically people been not been out and, uh, you know, we were very, very busy when we reopened, you know, with... Uh, people coming in you know that it hadn't been out for six or eight months or possibly a year and uh the, the challenging of going through the regulations you know but uh we had great guidance from hospitality ulster uh basically and uh with flow training and that there as well you know uh, the the flow training set portal basically our staff were fit to do that all online so whenever we were, we were due to go back to reopen up um, they knew all the regulations as well, so it was a great, it was a great asset to have, um, and across the hospitality also is a great support network there for any of them, you know, challenges like that. And you're very involved. I I was sitting on the board of hospitality Ulster, and look, all our challenges obviously would be energy prices and costs running the business, and uh, which and the food costs, food costs are soaring as well, and uh, look, it is and. Do you uh, pass that on to the customer then? Well, there's, there's only so much you can pass on to the mm-hmm. customer. You know, the margins wouldn't be what they would have been pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, them challenges are there and they're not easy, but we try and make up for it with really good customer service and a really nice experience. And look, you know, we're very much hands-on owners. So, you know, to, if you come and have, you have a visit to Freels, you know, you're, you'll more than likely see one of the family there or and basically be looked after. Uh, by our by our staff and uh, they go the extra mile to give people a nice experience. Um, you mentioned there in COVID, yes, it was a challenge, but it was nice to have the time off. I was wondering how do you manage to take any time off now? Because the hospitality industry and the nature of running a pub, I mean, they're long, long hours. I look, it is challenging, and uh, you know, I suppose we're closed a couple of days through the week now, but. You'll generally maybe get me in the office them days, <laughs> to be honest. But look, it, it is. But I suppose it's. I'll be very passionate about what we do. And do you like being busy? I I would say I do, you know, and uh, I like being busy, but I suppose that's, I suppose it's fine in the, the family life. It's fine in the work life. Um, balance. Balance is important, you know. And so what do you do to, to kick back and relax? What do you like to do? Well, I would uh, coach her, coach the local club. Michael Davitt Swatter would coach their under-17 herders. So uh, I've always been involved in underage coaching and the herding side of things, and uh, I find it great. I enjoy seeing young lads improve uh, and go on to bigger and better things, and uh, I really enjoy that there. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm just going to close with a final question, Dermot, and we ask this to every single guest that sits where you are now. It's about the purpose of this podcast, which is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering an insight into the success of businesses such as yours, such as Freel's Bar and Restaurant. So what advice would you give to people who may have a business idea, but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? Well, I would say do do the research and uh, have it well researched and contact local council. The local council is fantastic there for support. Actually, local councillors, I rang local councillors and got guidance. They, they put me to the right team within the council area and uh, basically I was handed on to Invest NI for a couple of different innovation vouchers as I alluded to earlier. Um, the support network is out there and if you do enough research and 
have your homework done, basically then you'll, you, uh, you'll be very quick to ascertain whether it's worth a risk or not. But always ask for help and ask for questions and advice. Yes, definitely. What's been the highlight of your career so far? Uh, I don't know. Um, that's a very difficult question. Um, look, you know, I suppose, you know, uh, having lost my father at a young age, you know, um, he, 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 I was 10 months, you know, when he passed away. And uh, he he originally worked in the bars in London and then came back to run Freels. And uh, he started up one of the first lounge areas in the late 60s. And people came from far away as Coleraine, Koch, Balamina, two Freels, uh, just for live music. And uh, I just suppose, you know, wonder what he think, what he would think of how things developed and over, over the years, you know. And I suppose, you know... Um, he was a very young man when he... Ah, he was 38 when he passed away. So Goodness. I suppose that that's it, you know, and every family in life gets their own, gets their own across the bear, as they say. But I suppose, you know, the greatest achievement I probably think would be my own family, you know, and I've got a, I'm very lucky to have a large family and, and uh, a good a good wife, Katrina, to, to help me along Absolutely. with everything, you know. Uh, and did you have older siblings as well? I had older, older sisters, Laura and Siobhan. Uh, they both still live in the village there as well. And... They, uh, they used to work in the bar a lot as well. So. And what about your mum? My mum, unfortunately, my mum passed away there about 18 months ago. Oh. So on, on, on all the research, you know, um, we've done at Freels. She actually was a long-serving publican at Freels. Uh-huh. So she arrived at the bar in 1963, and she passed away there in 2021. So she, and you know, when we were doing all of our research during lockdown and stuff like that there, that's funny, um, she was the longest serving licensee ever was there. So I'm sure she was very proud of what you did. Oh, she was a massive part of the business there and a massive part of the growth there uh, all along and always supported me. No matter what we were doing there, she always was was a great support. And she came from a pub background as well. So she was the oldest of nine. And uh, so she was was well used to it. And uh, (laughs) What do you think you learned from her? Uh, just just to keep your head down and uh, hard work. Um, my mum was uh, what they call a cleanaholic. Uh, so she was big into the cleaning, you know. So we, we, uh, cleanliness and hygiene about the property will be a big priority for us. And uh, hard work and, and uh, family. Well, a wonderful legacy and sounds like many more years to come. Um, I wish you every success for the future. And Dermot, thank you so much for joining me today on the Public Eye podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah. And join us again next time. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.